the Hindu worldview, when we turn from our world's position in space and time to its moral character, it is a just world in which everyone gets what is deserved and creates his or her own future. The second thing to be said is that it is a middle world. This is so not only in the sense that it hangs midway between heavens above and hells below, it is also middle in the sense of being middling, a world in which good and evil, pleasure and pain, knowledge and ignorance interweave in about equal proportions. And this is the way things will remain. If we ask about the world's metaphysical status, we shall have to continue the distinction we have watched divide Hinduism on every major issue thus far, namely the one between the dual and the non-dual points of view. On the conduct of life, this distinction divides Chinaya Yoga from Bhakti Yoga. On the doctrine of God, it divides the personal from the transpersonal view. On the issue of salvation, it divides those who anticipate merging with God from those who aspire to God's company in the beatific vision. In cosmology, an extension of the same line divides those who regard the world as being from the highest perspective unreal from those who believe it to be real in every sense. Were we asked if dreams are real, our answer would have to be qualified. They are real in the sense that we have them, but they are not real in as much as what they depict need not exist objectively. Strictly speaking, a dream is a psychological construct, a mental fabrication. The Hindus have something like this in mind when they speak of Maya. The world appears as the mind in its normal condition perceives it. But we are not justified in thinking that reality as it is in itself is as it is thus seen. A young child seeing its first movie will mistake the moving pictures for actual objects, unaware that the lion growling from the screen is projected from a booth at the rear of the theater. It is the same with us. The world we see is conditioned and in that sense projected by our perceptual mechanisms. To change the metaphor, our sense receptors register only a narrow band of electromagnetic frequencies. With the help of microscopes and other amplifiers, we can detect some additional wavelength. But superconsciousness must be cultivated to know reality itself. In that state, our receptors would cease to refract, like a prism, the pure light of being into a spectrum of multiplicity. Reality would be known as it actually is, one infinite unalloyed. Maya comes from the same root as magic. In saying the world is Maya, non-dual Hinduism is saying that there is something tricky about it. The trick lies in the way the world's materiality and multiplicity pass themselves off as being independently real. Real apart from the stance from which we see them. Whereas in fact reality is undifferentiated Brahman throughout. Even as a rope lying in the dust remains a rope while being mistaken for a snake. Maya is also seductive in the attractiveness in which it presents the world, trapping us within it and leaving us with no desire to journey on. If we ask why reality, which is in fact one and perfect, is seen by us as many and mered, why the soul, which is really united with God throughout, sees itself for a while as sundered, why the rope appears to be a snake, If we ask these questions, we are up against a question that has no answer, any more than the comparable Christian question of why God created the world has an answer. The best we can say is that the world is Lila, God's play. Children playing hide and seek assume various roles. 
that have no validity outside the game. They place themselves in geobody and in conditions from which they must escape. Why do they do so when in a twinkling they could free themselves by simply stepping out of the game? The only answer is that the game is its own point and reward. It is fun in itself, a spontaneous overflow of creative, imaginative energy. So too, in some mysterious way, must it be with the world. Like a child playing alone, God is the cosmic dancer, whose routine is all creatures and all worlds. From the tireless stream of God's energy, the cosmos flows in endless, graceful reenactment. For all is Maya, Lila, the spellbinding dance of the cosmic magician, beyond which lies the boundless good, which all will achieve in the end. It is no accident that the only art form India failed to produce was tragedy. To the question, what kind of world do we have, Hinduism answers. A multiple world that includes innumerable galaxies horizontally, innumerable tiers vertically, and innumerable cycles temporarily. A moral world in which the law of karma is never suspended. A middling world that will never replace paradise as the spirit's destination. A world that is Maya, deceptively tricky in passing off its multiplicity, materiality and dualities as ultimate when they are actually provisional, a training ground on which people can develop their highest capacities. A world that is Lila, the play of the divine in its cosmic dance, untiring, unending, resistless, yet ultimately beneficent, with a grace born of infinite vitality. It is possible to climb life's mountain from any side. But when the top is reached, the trails converge. At base in the foothills of theology, ritual and organizational structure, the religions are distinct. Differences in culture, history, geography and collective temperament all make for diverse starting points. Far from being deplorable, this is good. It adds richness to the totality of the human venture. It is life not more interesting for the varied contributions of Confucianists, Taoists, Buddhists, Muslims, Jews and Christians. How artistic, writes a contemporary Hindu, that there should be room for such variety. How rich the texture is, and how much more interesting than if the Almighty had decreed one antiseptically safe, exclusive, orthodox way. Also his unity, God finds, it seems is recreation in variety. But beyond these differences, the same goal beckons. <music>